Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, where once again we're going to try and make sense of the uh, post-pandemic hotel investment landscape. Uh, I have Andrew Sankster with me. He's the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and I'm Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst. And this week, the first topic uh, that has caught our attention for a brief chat is what's happening with corporate travel as will corporate travel come back and, and in what form and we got uh, some interesting insight into that at uh, last week's ey annual hospitality and leisure conference uh, where one of the presentations saw the the travel manager from ey and also the uh, travel manager from uh, gsk the uh, pharmaceutical and consumer goods company uh, discussing how things were likely to change uh, as they everyone comes back to back to work and uh, may or may not be working in their offices that's another story for another day but uh, the question is will they be traveling as much and it seemed very clearly the answer was um, that they won't be traveling as much Uh, it would appear that uh, the pandemic and other things that went on during the pandemic have caused a lot more corporates now to consider some kind of carbon reduction target that feeds into the way they uh, view travel in the future and of course uh, being blunt they've, they've all saved lots of money by not having their their employees able to travel uh, and they've also you know obliged them to learn how to use teams zoom and other virtual uh, meeting formats in the in the meantime while we we're all locked down and they're all hoping that that's going to carry on into the future and that uh, they they will be uh, allowing their staff to fly fly less, drive less, overall travel less, and uh, guess what, there's going to be quite a bit of savings as a result. Um, The Interestingly, the the hospitality leaders uh, in another panel at the same event seemed, uh, well, they they were sure that things are going to change, but they weren't overly concerned that the uh, business travel landscape was changing. And in fact, Dermot Crowley, of uh, CEO of Delata Hotels, who was obviously feeling quite positive because he just signed his first hotel in uh, Germany, um, was was looking forward to seeing how things change and, and just said, well, we're, we're going to just work work harder to take a bigger share of, of what's out there. So the question, I suppose, for us is is whether this uh, these these brave words about uh, the new world of corporate travel being so much smaller than, than in the past uh, are going to be borne out, are going to come true, or whether when that first quarter of faltering sales results comes in, um, the uh, the sales re- reps under pressure are going to insist they need to get out the road and see people again. I think there's bits you can agree with in some of that. Um, so the ESG pressure on companies is real, and we've talked about that at length in terms of how it is infecting, uh, affecting the, the investment landscape. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head, Chris, when um, you you talked about how companies have saved, particularly professional services firms, have saved quite a bit of cash by not uh, going out there and travelling. Mm. Um, their travel entertainment and indeed sponsorship budgets, which directly hits us actually, um, have been massively curtailed. And even where the top line has not particularly shone during the pandemic um they've done pretty well because of all the costs they've ripped out um and therefore they've got a much stronger bottom line Uh, i think the difficulty however is that uh, um the top line is what matters um and where that starts taking a hit relative to rivals because they're not you know some people are not getting out on the road um they will 
quickly hit reverse gear mm. um and in fact no I'd rather go into gear <laughs> and uh, get back on the road jump um, into their teslas and get going. yes yeah, yeah. exactly and I, I really i just don't uh, my own sense of this is that soon as you you know i, I think there are bits where you know the likes of zoom actually are a replacement for some travel so it if ongoing servicing of of clients yeah you can see how that can be done but mm. to win clients via zoom i don't think so that's just not going to happen and i think as we've talked about before and it, and it gets into a bit of a boring um repeat actually is is that uh, as you know any new technology what it act leads to historically and has always led to historically is more business travel rather than less um and i don't think zoom and the like are any different to that we're going to get more business travel because it frees up time and and gives more um uh, opportunity to go and win business and because the servicing of business can be done uh, more efficiently now thanks to the technology that was true with uh, the telephone true with the fax um, true with the um, email and even more so with with zoom now i think so um i i remain um you know on the side of the hoteliers i think the the mm. the, 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 the business travel piece is going to come back pretty rapidly um so uh, and I, th I think it's hugely overblown and these corporate travel managers are listening to what the um the the c-suite is currently wishing i think simply mm. when they look at or the rather the cfo is currently wishing when she or he looks <laughs> at the numbers as oh i'd like to keep costs there but the reality is going to come when when the principals get out there and start banging the table saying i need to get on a plane again and mm. they they will get on that plane again i i think and they'll get on that plane a lot quicker than most people are are, are believing at the moment so i i think this is going to be uh, a positive surprise for um hoteliers and i think the the forecasts and we've said this many times before about business travel are massively um uh, undershooting what, what the reality will prove we'll, we'll see i mean you know in the end we nobody really knows for sure but this is our hunch here at hotel analyst and it's the hunch of most of the hoteliers i i talk to as well um interesting that uh, i i sort of mentioned this very briefly in my commentary on your your piece mm -hmm. about the ey um uh, session webinar um and my focus really is is well it's something that's been in the media non-stop for the last week or so which is this cost of living increase and how big an impact that is going to have um and i am getting increasingly frustrated because i think it's just getting um it's just getting sort of one-sided discussion really because at the end of the day what matters is it's not where the prices are going up it um alone it's what happens to pay because if pay goes up as fast or faster than prices it doesn't really matter because people are able to to keep maintaining their their expenditure um so i think that hasn't been considered enough and certainly you know in if you look at the numbers and i'm, I'm really looking at uk only numbers here i'm looking at numbers from the office for national statistics up until november of last year um for almost 18 months 
pay had been increasing faster than inflation real pay had gone had gone up only in november to the first time did we get to the point where real pay actually went down um and he went down um 0.9 percent um the last time it went down was back in june 2020 when it was down 2.2 percent um but and that was the trough it reached during the pandemic uh the, the gap we're going to see oh i think it is going to be negative uh, real pay for the next few months simply because we've got this extraordinary burst of uh costs coming in um but i think we're massively um over egging that particular pudding um and yes we've got a big increase in terms of uh, uh energy bills but also if, if we're still seeing wages going up at four or five percent that can be absorbed by consumers because they will put that and they will be able to afford that um and things won't be too bad now i it's certainly challenging for the next few months but if pay keeps going up and this is a big if and um there's an interesting I, I sort of dived into a couple of bits of um, data one was this ons on wage increases and what's been happening the other was the bank of england monetary policy um, and in terms of their forecasts and what was going on there now they have turned uber bears um, they are very gloomy about growth they are very gloomy about inflation going up too high and they are um um gloomy uh, in my view on pay in that they don't see it going up enough now they're calling for pay restraint i don't think they're going to get pay restraint actually i think pay is going to go go um uh, go fast and i think we're going to have higher inflation um and i think the the thing that is being overread particularly is this energy price piece so if you look at the um the 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 options market for energy if you look out uh, six months or so um what is being forecast there is that it's coming down um and that the end the b the bank of england that they reckon when they were doing their forecast they they saw it as being level and they said actually the risks for the energy side of costs um, is actually on the downside i.e that costs are going to be lower um, than they forecast so i think you know th this notion that suddenly we're going to have this awful position in terms of cost of living and it's all going to be grim 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 um i i don't buy and i don't see um in the numbers here now you know there's plenty of people much smarter than me running around saying oh we've got this huge crisis coming um and you know we've had that we've got the biggest um hit to incomes uh, we've seen for a generation uh well is that factoring in in most cases it is not factoring in the wage increases and i i don't see it um and uh we'll see where this this plays out but i, I think we've we're seeing a little bit of um doomsterism um and it seems to me it's just all a bit too gloomy and my own sense of where we are in in terms of the the big macro piece the terms of the big macroeconomic cycle is actually it's more like the immediate period after the second world war when we had uh reasonable economic growth um 
inflation but not too massive and relatively low interest rates that's how i think it's going to be heading out and there's good indicators to to suggest that rather than this sort of stagflation disaster zone of the 1970s which people which stagflation is where you get uh, inflation and no growth um and that seems to be where where some of the the the, the doomsters are heading at the moment um i i remain optimistic about about the macro outlook um and and from a if you adopt my position on this i think what what we will have is a uh, a, a property investment market which is you know seeing higher growth higher inflation and higher interest rates um and this really favors hotels and other operational real estate where you can set prices regularly obviously in the case of hotels you can set them daily i mean what better is an inflation hedges than that um fixed leases particularly where they've got a, a cap on rent increases are going to look increasingly unattractive i'd suggest so this will push things into the um you know the operational real estate world and into into in making hotels look more favorable um if this is is right now i mean you know i mean the, the one word that leapt out to me um reading you know the the, the full uh, monetary policy committee report um is uncertainty and you know that seemed to be re- repeated again and again and uh, you know and if things are uncertain and there's no um it's it's more uncertain than for some time and this is is not an uncommon piece within um, economic forecasting where you get a change of direction it's much much harder to to make the call but at the end of the day this is where the uh, the big money is made mm. you're going to make your call and you're going to make a decision on what you're going to do and and you get in there earlier than everybody else now if you're right you make the money if you're wrong you lose your shirt but that's that's what markets that's what business is about absolutely now one one area we know there's been uh plenty of people uh, private individuals investing heavily is the business of uh, branded residences which seem to have been going gangbusters all the way through the pandemic uh, and uh, seems to be no no end in sight and of course the uh, the hotel uh, brands love to have branded residences on their books uh, developers love branded residences because they can typically be sold before they're completed uh, so before you've got to spend out on construction, you get at least deposits, if not uh, a substantial amount of the of the funds in. Uh, and of course, uh, they then sit off very often alongside a hotel and make the finances of building that hotel very attractive too. We've seen quite a few of the big brands, Marriott, Four Seasons and so on, laying out plans to accelerate the growth of their branded residences portfolios. And indeed, uh, more and more now, they're also talking about standalone projects where you 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 basically build a set of apartments which are branded marriott or four seasons or whatever but uh, there's no adjacent hotel although of course the uh, owners or residents in in the uh, branded residences are expecting some kind of uh, support services delivered to them on demand uh, within their apartments uh, so of course one of the other things that um, uh, having a look at this that struck me was that whisper it but actually the other really useful thing if you're building branded residences uh, with a brand against them is of course you can feed them into your homes and villas portfolio offering and rent them out and then earn another fee from uh, from marketing the uh, the owner's unwanted weeks too so um uh all hail the brand residents there seems to be no end in sight for their uh, uh, growing demand for them 
Yeah, I think it's growing, but it's growing off a very small base, and I'm not sure that that base is going to become that ginormous. Um, I mean, they're interesting and they're they're exciting and they're sexy and they they give you good returns, but they remind me a lot of the boutique hotel market and everybody talks about boutique hotels but in reality in terms of their economic contribution it's relatively relatively modest um i think the most important bit about branded residences is is how uh, they offer a potential for hotels um and significant hotel investors to to attract uh, residential investors and the thing is with residential and by, by residential investors i don't mean owner occupiers i mean the institutional money that's going in particularly things like built to rent and stuff like that um but it, you get them interested in hotels and you know hotels are very very exciting to these people because the yields in in institutional residential investment are significantly lower than for hotels um so it's it's an attractive you know hotels are a very attractive uh, sector and from a hotel investor perspective um if you get more sort of more um people from the resi background interested you can act hopefully drive down yields push up prices um for the property you hold um it's a it's a nice situation to be in um i took a look at um some data from um green street and they have this uh, pan-european property sector index um and they it's it's the four big sectors of property so you've got uh, office you've got uh industrial you've got retail and you've got residential um of those four, uh, the one that's really struggling is not surprise surprise retail so they they indexed it back to 100 at the last peak which was in 2007 and retail is has only hit 72 well below um where it was in 2007 office has got above 2007 at 137 um but uh, uh residential significantly better at 156 um still a little way off the 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 industrial at 199 which has benefited hugely from the whole push into e-commerce and the rise of uh, warehousing etc but certainly you can see there on that index how attractive residential has been over the last decade plus 15 years or so um and um you know i, th- I think from a from a hotel investor perspective to align yourself with that is no bad thing and i think branded residence is certainly one way to to get there now we've been taking a look at uh, what's likely to happen over the coming weeks and months in the uk property market and the uk hotel market uh to do with the thorny issue of rent arrears that have been built up during the pandemic uh the uk government has provided protection for tenants until the end of march 2022 and uh, there's been lots of uh discussion about whether or the or how what the extent to which um, there'll be distress in the market uh, after that protection falls, um, whether landlords will then be putting massive pressure and, and indeed uh, strong-arming uh, tenants to, to pay up or, 
or push off. Um, there's, uh, the UK government has promised a some kind of an arbitration scheme to uh, help deal with those who haven't resolved uh, rent issues themselves between landlord and tenant. And we've been taking a bit of a closer look at how that looks like it's likely to work. Uh, it's still being sorted out by the government, the details of how this process might work, um, which of course means that uh, for those who are going to rely on the process to sort out the dispute between landlord and tenant, uh, it's getting a bit sort of uh, a bit of a nail-biting time because the the final details are not exactly clear. They are becoming clearer. Um, but it, altogether, it's starting to look like the process that will finally be agreed upon uh, won't perhaps uh, be terribly favourable for the tenants. Uh, well, maybe. I, I'm I, I'm not sure whether it's going to be entirely unfavourable to the tenants. Mm. It's a tricky one here because... Uh, um, so, I mean, there's a lot of noise coming from the tenants because they obviously quite like the situation of not having to pay rent. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who, who wouldn't want that situation? Um, but uh, I, th I think there has to be a balance here. Um, and broadly, most of the suggestions seem to be getting um, to a sensible position of, of balance. And also, if, if you are a tenant that's paying the rent, um, you don't really want a bunch of people in the market who aren't paying rent. So there has to be an end to, end to this. Um, now, how, how bad is it going to get? Well, I mean, we started off in this podcast talking about the great uncertainty about the macro picture and this all plays into that as well. We simply don't know what it's going to be like um, when you know the rents become due um what we can look at is how bad it's been since the start of the pandemic lockdowns um and it's been pretty bad um actually hardest hit has been uh, guest houses now see uh, i was looking at um some cga numbers here and um, they uh, record licensed premises numbers and in terms of guest houses now most guest houses don't have a license but and the ones that do tend to be the most upmarket ones and of these upmarket ones um, the total number has dropped 20.8 percent um, that's to the end of December since March 2020 now that's mm. a horrendous fall of over a fifth of the market now this is slightly better than it was three months ago a few more have opened um, since then but it's still pretty darn grim I mean, hotels were down 3.2 percent I mean what this all shows me is that the smaller businesses are struggling the most um, and indeed if you look at the by type of outlet um, and look um, what the CGA report looks at as well is uh, different types so they look at um, whether you're food led or accommodation led with um, looking at just the accommodation led businesses if they're independent their total numbers were down 11.3 percent and if they were leased they were down 10.8 percent um, um, if they were managed, and most managed um, properties tend to be part of a bigger corporate, there's a tiny rise of 0.2% um, in these um, lockdown uh, months. Um, so the, the actual, it, clearly the pain is being felt the most on the smaller undercapitalized businesses, I would suggest. Um, and how many more of those will come out um, once they have to start paying rent, I don't know. Um, but it could well be quite a few, I suspect. Um, so that number, for the bigger 
more uh, managed properties however i, th I think it, it you know we're not going to see that huge amount because um two things one is they have great access to um uh capital they have better access to capital i should say they can either go and get more more debt or they could um seek out some equity um and but also alongside that it, the bigger chains uh there's going to be a reluctance on the part of the landlord to sort of kick them out wholesale think they're going to engage in more constructive discussions and i think we've talked about cups mm -hmm. of tea in the past and i think there'll be a lot of cups of tea going on to, to sort that out probably less cups of tea sadly for those uh, smaller businesses where the landlord takes a view and says well actually look i'm never going to get any rent here I'm just going to take back the property. Maybe I'll repurpose it. Um, and in some cases, you've got owner operators who've decided, well, actually, game's up. Let's um, let's um, quit while we're ahead. And certainly, anecdotally, you know, I've been I had a went in earlier this week and had a chat with Christie and Co. Uh, they were telling me, yeah, uh, that that actually the lot of their business during this this pandemic lockdown period has been um owners taking a view well actually it's time to time to leave the market whether or not they're in crisis with rent they thought actually it's you know it's it's a decision time that it's uh, has been crystallized thanks to the difficult trading environment so they're quitting and repurposing a lot of these properties we could well see a bit of a surge in that but we just don't know at this point it's it's a wait and see game just as we're not entirely sure where this whole cost of living versus the um, wage increase thing plays out so whether we have a net you know um, negative on that um, in 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 the medium term uh, it, it remains unclear where this is going to go as well and the two are of course connected because um, the worse the macro pitch and the more pain we're going to see as we as we begin the recovery process so um, I remain optimistic that we're going to see a stronger recovery and I remain optimistic that we we won't see too much of um, an increase from where we've already what we've already seen um, in terms of exits I think that will be in in terms of net numbers because i think we'll see better capitalized people coming in um, and replacing those people who are leaving. now andrew you love knocking governments and occasionally praise, praising them and i believe <laughs> you're going to do both this week with our five star and no star awards yeah no absolutely so uh five stars it is to the first government to end all covid restrictions in the eu um and that is denmark um and i have to say if you were to pick a country which uh, has done well during covid um it is probably denmark um they've had very few deaths relative to most other countries um and now they've decided look enough and despite surging levels of infections they've got some of the highest infection rates um, in Europe but they've decided no this Omicron is not um, leading to um, a significant number of hospitalizations we've not got some um, hospitals bursting at the seams we're going to end all restrictions and get on with our life and uh, please let's have a few more Danes around let's have a Viking takeover <laughs> um, where where they need to head in their long ships is down and it's where we're going to give it no stars is down to New Land Zealand where goodness me yes. they've 
yes they have it it has indeed become middle earth there where um they're not going to open up till october i mean it's extraordinary um it's <laughs> the rest of the world will have moved on will have forgotten it. new zealand where's that we rubbed off the map <laughs> <It's>, it's, <laughs> and, uh, ironically named of course um after a bit of denmark oh, isn't it yeah. um, new zealand mm-hmm. so it's uh, yeah so it's uh, there's a connection there yeah, well, right there. well on that happy note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>